Throughout the last year, we've continued to review four major themes in the book of 1 Corinthians. Have you memorized these yet? Anybody got them down? Should we do a quiz? 1 Corinthians, we walked through the four major themes. First, be united, chapters 1 through 4. Be holy, 5 through 7. Be free, 8 through 10. And be informed, 11 through 16. And some of you recall, like, hey, we just finished chapter 16. Move on, pal. Move on. And it's time to get to a different book. We'll get there. I promise we'll get there. There's a good reason why we've been in this book for a year. Though written 2,000 years ago, this is still very relevant for our day, is it not? Not just for our church, but also our own personal holiness. And Paul is very frank in his terms. There's been some uncomfortable texts that we've read that deal with a lot of different issues that people don't typically talk about in church. Chapters 1 through 4, we saw Christians can at times struggle with selfishness. Can we not? We struggle with division or divisiveness. Pride can lead to me or you thinking my way is better than your way. It's my way or the highway. And that's in the church, isn't it? Do we see this today? Absolutely. People gossip. People backbite. That's a challenge for us, chapters 1 through 4, is to be united. Christian, is there somebody here within this service that you don't want to be around? That's a problem. Are you complaining about others? Complaining about leadership? Whatever it is you're complaining about. We are to strive for unity. Chapters 5 through 7. This was, uh, preaching through that was one of my least favorite uh, things that we had to preach through. I mean, it wasn't bad. The Bible's not bad. It's good. It's just, it's very uncomfortable to talk about some of the things Paul wrote down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to be read out loud in front of the church that he's confronting. We saw we had to strive for holiness. Promiscuity was rampant in Corinth. It was rampant. Intimacy, sexual relationships were just casual. You can be with whomever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want. It doesn't matter. Right? Because it's my body. It's how I feel. It's what I want to do. So go be whatever you want to be. Don't we hear this today? And yet there were even sins within the church of Corinth that the world looked at and went like, ugh gross. Man was sleeping with his stepmother. Even the world thought like, hey, that's, that's a little too far. But if it's my body and I can love whoever I want to love and be with whomever I want to be with, then how can you say that's gross? How can you say that? You can't. So what does Paul remind them of in chapter 6? Where he says, and such were some of you. And what does he walk through? You used to be sexually this way used to be sexually this way used to just sleep around with whomever you want to sleep with different gender same gender multiple people doesn't matter that's what you used to be but you were washed but you were sanctified things now have changed or should have he reminds us our bodies are not our own, because they're in, at the end of chapter 6, people are going to the temple prostitutes. It's my body. It's just a body. It's just physical. 
It's not spiritual, it's just physical. Paul said, no, 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 what are our bodies? What does he call our bodies in chapter 6? Do you remember? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. This thing is the temple of God. Friend, listen to me, especially our young teens. You're warring through some of these things. You're trying to think, I can do whatever I want to do and be whatever I want to be, feel whatever I want to feel. You can think that. Well, I was born this way. I want to do this thing. Listen to me, teenager, college student, single, or even adult, if you're thinking the same thing. If you claim this, I was bought by the blood of Christ. Listen to this. If you claim you were bought with the blood of Christ, you cannot claim I can do whatever I want. At the end of chapter 6, he says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Can Christians commit the most heinous sexual sins? Yes or no? Yes. Will a Christian continue to commit the most heinous sexual sins without repenting? No. So if you continue to live in that life, friend, guess what you're telling Jesus? This isn't mine. I was not bought because you are not my master. I can do whatever I want with my body. As it's anti-Christian as you can get. Chapter 7 Right? One of my favorite passages to ever preach on, if you hear of chapter 7, is I, I, I creeped out the first four verses because I had to talk about intimacy in the way that, I mean, he's just straightforward, right? Husbands and wives are to love each other, and he's not talking about just an affectionate smooch every now and then. You're to be together intimately. Well, how often? How many times? Paul tells you there's a time for a breather. There's a time for a break. When is that? When you're praying and when you're fasting. And then what does he say to do? Get back together. You should be doing more than holding hands. Right? Chapter 7. Husbands and wives ought to be together intimately often. And if you're going to listen to the prevalent day of the age from, from Hollywood or other media, what, what do you think? What do you think Christians believe about intimacy, sexual intimacy? What would they say? Oh, to them it's boring. To them it's all sin. And what does Paul say? It should be frequent and often continually in the home of one man and one woman that are called husband and wife. That's where it should be. That's where it needs to remain. That's where it needs to stay. But it should be often. And in fact, Paul is so countercultural because he says, men, you are to meet the needs of your wife. Your wife, as in this culture, culture of Corinth, the wife was just a thing to be desired and to be had. Paul said, no, she's not. She's made in the image of God. She has needs. She has wants. You are to meet her sexual needs just as she's supposed to meet yours. It's not 50-50, it's 100-100. Give yourself to your spouse. And he continues with this throughout chapter 8, talking about how we are to remain as we are. Chapters 8 through 10, he talks about our freedom. Can I do what I want to do because Jesus saved me? Am I free to do whatever I want to do? 
What's the answer? No. You're not free to do whatever you want to do. And there are a lot of questions that he walks through. Well, don't I have freedom in Jesus? What's the answer? Yes. Yes, you do. But, just like your question we'll get to in a little bit, you know, don't I have freedom here in America? Yes, but there's still laws. There's still rules. And we'll get to more of this in a little bit. Lastly, in chapters 11 through 16, Paul answers a lot of questions. From communion, which we just saw in chapter 11, spiritual gifts, chapters 12, 13, and 14, to the resurrection in chapter 15. There's much to be learned from this book, but there are four, there's a couple questions I think that we could still focus on that would help us in everyday life if we look at a couple of these texts together, chapter 6 and chapter 10. We combine some of the questions Paul gives there. Because there are four questions, I believe, that would be helpful for you. These four questions would be straightforward to you. These four questions I was taught in college every year. A college president would teach these four principles from 1 Corinthians 6 and 10 every year. He just pounded, pounded into our head. You need to know these four questions. Because there are things that come up that the Bible doesn't talk about. There are some things the Bible does talk about. Should you murder? No, right? That's not like, a, I'm not sure. It's, it's clear, right? Should I do this? Uh, no. Should I do this? Uh, yeah, it tells you should. There are things the Bible doesn't talk about. You know, the Bible doesn't talk about Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Now, some of you are panicking like, oh, no, is he going to say we can't do that? Maybe. You have to wait till the end of the message to find out. What does the Bible say about Fortnite or PUBG? And if you don't know what that means, then you don't know what the Bible says about Xbox, PlayStation, or Switch either. What does the Bible talk about coffee? You're like, Pastor, that's the line. Don't touch the sludge, right? Does it talk about coffee? Is it wrong? Don't even think that question. Obviously, it's wrong because it tastes awful. What about soda? about soda? What about opioids? What about opioids? Opioid and epidemics going on through right now. But what if your doctor prescribes them? What about marijuana? What about smoking tobacco or chewing tobacco? I was taught growing up, you don't drink, smoke, or chew, or run with those that do. This is something that I heard often growing up. What does the Bible talk about football? What does it say about the Redskins? Right? You read that in Proverbs chapter 32. Don't cheer for them. Right? What does, it does, what does it say? It doesn't talk about football. It doesn't talk about golf or NASCAR. Why doesn't the Bible talk about these things? Well, obviously, I hope you've come to the conclusion. Those things weren't around. So if the Bible doesn't talk about it, so after being a youth pastor for all those years, the teenagers had this idea, if the Bible didn't say I shouldn't, that means I should. Not I could, it means I should. It doesn't say it. But adults are the same. We think just because we don't have a clear-cut command, well, then that's fine for me. Obviously, I can. The Bible doesn't talk about PG-13 movies or rated R. I can go to whatever I want. I had a parent tell me, my kid, can go, they turn 13, they go to any PG-13 movie they want to. I'm like, well, hmm. have you thought about that? Well, no, but it's for 13-year-olds. Who, who came up with that standard? I don't know. Probably a bunch of Christians thinking through what's best for your home. 
oh, is there like bad stuff in PG-13 movies? You can have nudity in PG-13 movies. No, you can't. Yes, you can. So can you go? Should you go? There are questions that you should think through. And I think Paul will give you four today, four questions that you can ask to think through in a grid. This will be helpful for me. Because the Bible doesn't speak about these things. So what about smartphones? When your, teen, your child or teen wants a smartphone, is it wrong? For that one kid who's getting one like next month, you're like, please don't tell my parents I can't get one. What school do you put your children in? Homeschool, public school, Christian school? The Bible doesn't say. When marijuana becomes legal here, and it will, it just will, it's going to happen across all 50 states at some point in time, it's going to. Are you able to take it? What if you have Parkinson's disease? And there's medical, scientific research saying that if you do take it, it will help you. Are you wrong? Folks, these are real questions. And you know what? Each one of those questions are messy. You know why? Because you are going to answer them different than me. That's okay. Take a deep breath. It's all right. You know why? Because you're not the same sinner I am. There are things that will pull me down that may not pull you down. There may be times where I might be able to have great victory over something that for you might be a great enslavement. Coffee is not an issue with me at all. Even if it were wrong, the Bible would have no temptation to drink it because it tastes awful. That's what I've always thought my entire life. I don't like it in ice cream. I don't like it in anything. It just ruins it. It's like put trash on my drink. Why would I want to do that? So for me, that, it's not even a question I have to struggle with or to even think about asking. But for some of you, if you have to have 15 cups in the morning or else you have a headache, you may have to think through this question as we get into these points as we move on. So be thinking through these questions. So grandma, grandpa, mom, and dad, these questions are four questions you can ask your kid, your teen, before they decide, should I do it? These are good questions to ask. Teens, singles, children, these are four questions that if you answer them honestly and you follow through with them, look at me, they would keep you from great heartache. Your mom and dad... Spiritual leaders can try to advise you and tell you, please don't. Well, the Bible doesn't tell me I can't. Please don't. We have too many scars in our past, and we know. Please don't make the same mistake. Again, we're not talking about even sin issues. Sometimes there are things that enslave us. The Bible does not talk about. So what are four questions that you can be thinking through? First, chapter 10, verse number 23. So turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse number 23. The first question you want to ask is, is it best? In our slide here, is it best? Is it best? It's a good question to ask. Now, we're going to kind of have a Sunday school type format today, so we're going to repeat these often. So as a crowd, we're going to do a little class participation, right? So you want to say this with me, is it best? Ready? One, two, three. Is it best? Try it one more time. Is it best? I know we don't typically, I know anyone don't typically talk in church. It's okay. You're allowed to talk today. Is it best? 1 Corinthians 10, 23, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Not all things are helpful. The word helpful, depending on your translation, because it's translated in a number of ways. Some translate this as expedient. Some translate it profitable, good. Here in the ESV, helpful. Some translate it as beneficial. 
There's some things that are not expedient. They're not profitable. They're not good. They're not helpful. They're not beneficial. They're beneficial. There are some things, in short, that are not best. And there are things that are expedient. There are some activities that are profitable. There are some actions and attitudes that are good, that are helpful. There are things that are best. Paul, however, states with this phrase, all things are lawful. This was, if you remember back to chapter 6 and chapter 10 when we talked about this, this was a Corinthian slogan. All things, I'm saved by Jesus. I can do whatever I want. All things are lawful for me. Paul, mm, no. No. Can't do whatever you want. You say, I can do whatever I want, Pastor, because my sin has been paid for. Past, present, and future. Isn't that true? Absolutely. It's true. Absolutely. It's true if you're a Christian. If you're here and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, all your sins have been paid for. 1 Peter 2.24, Peter said of this, He himself, Jesus, he bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. Did you get that? He bore our sins on the tree. By his wounds, we are healed. All God's people say what? Say amen to that. By his wounds, I'm healed. Amen. But Peter said, he bore our sins on the body of the tree. Why did he bear my sin? Why? That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Those are two different phrases. There are things we should not do, die to sin. There may be other things that we could do, but we will choose not to because we are trying to live towards righteousness. Sure, we are forgiven. But we're not free to do whatever we want. Again, as we, we've said here before, we claim to live in a free country. Right? Home of, land of the free, home of the brave. But we're not really free, are we? Yeah, we are. Are you? You're free to do 100 on the, on the highway. Well, no. Why is our government so constricting? Because they don't want bozos driving on the road 100 miles an hour. They can't drive. My freedom is even constricted in my own home. Can I play music as loudly as I want? It, no, yeah. What if it impedes on my neighbor's freedom for quiet? Can you imagine somebody calling the police on me for something I'm doing in my own home? And everybody here has been a police officer. It's like, yup, it happens. It happens. Well, I thought you were free. You're like, oh, I'm free-ish, free-ish, free-ish. Somewhere in there. I can, I can do some things, you know. There's a lot of things I can do. And you're right. If you can understand that in our government, you can understand that spiritually. Yes, you are free-ish. You are free-ish. We're not free to do however, whatever we want. Why? Because if you claim this, the blood of Christ, if you claim that you've been bought by his blood, you are not your own. That includes your weekends. That includes your hobbies. Your free time. Friend, you were bought with a price. 
So you glorify God with your body. Thus, teens, singles, we talked about the corner, the casual sex has gone. You can't just say, well, I, I can kind of do whatever I want with my body. You, you can't. Not if you claim his blood. Not if you claim you're a Christian. Pastor, it's just college. Just say, I'm a senior, I'm whatever. It's just, I can do whatever I want. Not if you claim his blood. There's restrictions there. You're not to glorify him in your body. So that means you'll live differently than your friends who don't claim to be a Christian. So what question do we need to ask when trying to figure out if we should do something or not? Start here. Question number one. Is it best? Is it best? Is playing Fortnite best? All the little guys. Yes. Is playing Fortnite for four hours in a day best? That's a different question. Remember a teenager in Guam that uh, was in our youth group? His mom and dad both worked from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. They both worked. And he'd come home from school. The kid was a straight-A student. He was involved in sports. Was not a bad kid, but he played Halo at that time. Halo was the game he played for three, four hours a day. That's what he did with his free time. Just what he did. Like, well, it's better than drugs, right? It's better than him being on the streets, better than this and that. And I remember him hearing this text and him wrestling with it because he's home by himself. He's a lonely kid. Mom and dad were both working to put him through school, to pay for his college. They had dreams for him. Remember him coming and talking to me. It's like, Pastor, I, I don't think I should play video games four hours a day. And for some of you, that's a chuckle. You're like, obviously not. For this kid whose parents didn't know the Lord, they just didn't want him to be in trouble. They weren't thinking about his soul. They were thinking about what he was going to do. They didn't think about if it was best. So you, teenager, or whoever you are, if you're playing Fortnite, PUBG, or whatever your video games are that you like to play, that's a good question for you to ask. Can I play? Sure you can. Do you have freedom? Absolutely. Is it best for you to play? You're like, yeah, for whatever amount of time, but maybe I should put a restriction on it. My wife can play video games, and then she walks away. That was stupid, right? Or she might play like, ah, that's all right, that's fun. If I play a video game, I get lost in the time-space continuum, and I have no idea what's happening. So I had to put parental controls on myself. <laughs> you can ask my wife. I'm not joking. It had to pop up like, moron, get off this thing. Like, oh, yeah. But I remember him saying, you know, I, I don't think I should do that anymore. I mean, he was ranked. He was getting paid to play video games. But he realized this thing, it's an idol. Is it best? Is posting that picture to Snapchat or Instagram, is that best? Listening to that music, I can listen to whatever I want to. All things are lawful. Huh? Is this the temple of the Holy Ghost? You know, it's funny because I've heard people argue against what music should be played up here. But they never, those, I've heard some of those same people, you listen to what they listen to at home. They're like, well, this is church. This is God's temple. These. This is God's temple. You can't play that in church. You can play it in here. Is he, does he leave your body during that time? I cracked up people that thought you should not, it should only be piano and organ. You listen to what they listen to at home, like going, what? what what's, I don't, how, do these, how does that work? This is God's temple. This is a building. 
Those are two different things. What goes in here? What goes in here? Is it best? It's a good question. Pastor, are you telling me I can't? I'm not telling you you can't. I'm telling you you should ask the question. Notice I didn't say what type of music you should listen to. There is freedom in Christ. It's a good question to ask. The music you're listening to, the movies you're watching, shows you're streaming. Is dating right now the best? Again, working with teenagers, always thought, yeah, it's best. It's always best for me. Are you able to take care of yourself? Yeah. You're paying your own bills. You're responsible. It means you're currently walking with the Lord. You have your priorities straight. These things are lined up. Well, I mean, well, who are you going to lead, friend? Who are you going to build? How are you going to encourage them? It's important for you to think through those things. Is working overtime again, mom and dad, is it best? You keep missing home? Well, I get, I know how much you get, whatever it is. It could be a lot. But it's a good question for you to ask. Is more money more important than your family? Well, if I get this, and then I get this, I can do, just, it's a good question to ask. Is working overtime wrong? Nope. Nope. Is it best? About missing family time, again, or missing a church function because of sports or a hobby. Is it best? About smoking or chewing, is that best? Is watching Game of Thrones, is it best? There's a lot of questions you can ask. Each of us will answer that differently. And look at me, that's why this becomes messy. Because you can think you're right, and you may be right for you. But it tends where we can start judging others when they don't see, is it best the same way as I see it? Friend, they may not have the same struggles. They may not. So relax. You answer to God. Is this best for you? It's a good question for you to think through. What's another question you ought to think through? Secondly, does it build? We're in the same text here. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things will build up. Again, I can do whatever I want, Paul says. Slow your roll. Hold up here. Slow down. Build up what? Paul's here specifically, chapter 10, is speaking of building up the body. So as you continue to read this chapter, they're talking about food being offered to idols. Somebody's saying, I have the freedom to do whatever I want. Paul said, you're damning your brothers and sisters in Christ by doing this activity, by doing what you're doing. So there's a corporate challenge to this. Will this activity I'm about to partake in, will it build others up or will it tear others down? Will the attitude I display to my children, will it build them up? Will avoiding that church person, church member I don't like, will it build them up? What about this member of my family? What I say, if they're struggling, will what I say edify them? Will it build them up? There's also a personal application to this. Right? Beyond building others up, you don't want to do something that would actually tear you down spiritually. So will this build? Does this build? Is it best? Does it build? Let's say those two things together, right? First one, is it best? Second, does it build? We're going to try this again, right? First, is it best? Second, does it build? Right? Number three, does it bind? Let's walk through those three again. First, is it best? Second, does it build? Three, does it bind? Is it best? Does it build? Does it bind? It's the best as it builds its mind. 
Okay, is it best? Does it build? Does it bind? Get these in your head. Is it best? Does it build? Does it bind? 1 Corinthians 6, 12. If you look at this up here on the screen, all things are lawful for me. This is the first time Paul said it. He says it four times in this book. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. He repeats this in 1 Corinthians 10, 23. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. I can do whatever I want. Paul says, yeah, but you're not supposed to be dominated by anything. To be dominated is to be under the power of, to be controlled by, to be enslaved by something. We often think of, when we think of being dominated or controlled by something, we often think of substance abuse. But if we're going to be honest, there's a lot of things in our culture, a lot of things around us, that can enslave us. Right? It's not just substance abuse. The APA, the American Psychiatry Association, lists a number of things. Drugs, alcohol, smoking, chewing tobacco, gambling, playing video games, caffeine. Have you ever looked up smartphone addiction? Look up smartphone addiction. People can't put it down. Look at social media addiction. Look it up. It's just rampant. You have that watching sports addiction. Too many dads have been stuck to the tube and missed out on family because they're cheering for whomever or whatever. Nothing is to control us except the Holy Spirit. So you're wondering, well, how do I know if I'm controlled? Let me, let me just give a practical, can I give a practical suggestion? I used to say a month, and I'm taping this down there. Good question asked. Can I go without that activity or that thing, can I go without it for a week? Try seven days without whatever that is. Seven days. If you realize you're getting the shakes without it, you have a problem. That goes for, friend, coffee. I'm being serious. If you can't go without it for seven days, you have something to struggle with, to wrestle with. This is controlling me. No, that's just alcohol. No, it's don't be controlled by alcohol or anything like it, but be controlled by, be drunk with, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Nothing is to control you except God. Period. Does this bind your struggle, my struggle, may be on different ends of the world. How you may answer that may be completely different than how I answer that or the person next to me answer that. And that's okay. You answer to Jesus for what he's made you, how he's made you, and what he's trying to do in you. Is it best? Does it build? Does it bind? One last question to ask, besides these three, is the last one here. Number four, does it boast in God? Let's read those four all together, right? First, is it best? Second, does it build? Does it bind? Does it boast in God? I think we can do a little better. Come on, class, one more time. Is it best? Does it build? Does it bind? Does it boast in God? Again, quiz two, follow. Is it best to build, does it bind, does it boast? Is it best, does it build, does it bind, does it boast? Four questions that are helpful for you. Is it best to build, does it bind, does it boast? Does this boast in God? We know this verse is so familiar to us, whether therefore you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Am I doing this 
for God's glory. Teen, can you fool around for God's glory? It's a tough question. Can I be involved in that activity or this attitude? Does that attitude, is that for God's glory? When I go to my workplace, am I there for God's glory? When I take the next test, is that for God's glory? Is it all-encompassing? When I punch my time card, did I just do that eight hours, whatever time, was that for God's glory? Or was it for a paycheck? Then you've missed it. You had an opportunity that was handed to you by the sovereign creator of all. Represent me well. God's glory. God, thank you for giving me that opportunity today. Help me to do it again tomorrow. Oh, calculus. Oh, AP biology, whatever it is. Teenager, that's for God's glory. There are people that cannot read, they cannot write because no one gave them the opportunity. God has granted you that opportunity. Use it for God's glory. There are many things that are before us. You're like, can I really do everything for God's glory? Come on. Can you really do? Can you play sports for God's glory? You ever seen a church softball league? Those typically aren't for God's glory. They're not. That's why I don't think we should start a church league. (laughs) We want to get involved in a sport, but please don't put our church name on there. Old men yelling at referees about slow pitch underhand softball. I wasn't out. Oh, my word. God's glory. It's gone. It's gone. Can you play that instrument for God's glory? Can you play it for your own? What about eating and drinking? Can you give God glory by just eating and drinking? Absolutely. How about don't get drunk? Don't be a glutton. Those are still sins. As I mentioned before, Rebecca and I cannot play Monopoly. It's a game we've had to take off the list because we realize when we play Monopoly, it's not for God's glory. Again, is that, it's just a simple thing. We realized early on, I'm being serious, we were really early, early on in our marriage, we should probably remove that from the gaming shelf. Because I realized you can play board games not for God's glory. I was like, I'm going to lose my wife, <laughs> but still get boardwalk. Like, that's not a fair trade. Is it for God's glory? So what questions should you ask when you're not sure if you should do something or not? Here are four. They've been beat into my brain in college. They have served me well to this day, and if I were honest with you, I would be a better person if I would ask these questions more often. Is it best, Saunders? Is it best? Does it build, Saunders? Will this bind you, Saunders? Will this boast in God, Saunders? They're practical. They're very simple. The questions are so simple. The answers are so hard. Well, if I answer that like the way I should, man, my life's going to be so restricted, will it? 
Will it? Remember, you are not your own. Imagine life when you're finally, fully functioning like God would have you. Is it best? Does it build? Does it bind? Does it boast in God? So what does all this mean for us today? What can we take away? Let me ask you a couple of questions here. First, friend, have you been healed? Have you been healed by the wounds of Christ? Have you been healed by the wounds of Christ? First Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins, my sins, in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live righteousness by his wounds, you have been healed. Have you ever been healed by the wounds of Christ? Do you know him as your Savior? If you don't, talk to me after the service. I'll be in the back. Find another Christian next to you and say, you know what, I have questions. Let's chat. Second, is it best, Christian? Is it best? Are are there things in your life that you are doing that may not be sin? If you're doing things that you know aren't sin, you're doing things you know the Bible restricts, and you're claiming the blood of Christ, obviously, stop and repent. But maybe there's things, remember, so uh, the writer of Hebrews says, let us lay aside the sin, and he says, and the weight that so easily besets us. It's not always sin that we set aside. Sometimes it's just the weight. Are there things in your life, you know, I'd be better off putting that to the side for right now. It's just not best. It's not best. Your video playlist, your watch list, your music playlist, the way you spend your money is the best. You have freedom in Christ, freedom to use the gifts he's given you. Use the resources. Use your gifts, use your ability, use your time, use your money, use your body for the things that are best. Next, does it build? Grandparents, are you currently building up the body of Christ? Or are you complaining and tearing down? Are you being divisive, you're backbiting, gossiping? Is what you're doing building up? Mom and dad, are you building up the church? Are you doing anything here? Are you building up your home? Are you building up your spouse? Are you building up your children? Singles, teens, children, who are you building up? Do you walk through those two back doors and think the whole world's supposed to come to you? Everybody's supposed to serve you? Or do you think, you know what? God can use me. I'm nine years old. I'm 13 years old. God can still use me. I, I can build others up. I can encourage somebody today. Look at me. You can. You can. Does it bind? Is there a habit that you have that is controlling you? Again, we're not talking about even a sin issue. Is there a habit you have, like, maybe I should pull back a little bit on that. Maybe I need to take a week. Maybe I need one week off social media, which, of course, you're going to post on social media. I'm taking a week off social media so everyone knows, right? Because you have to do that. Maybe you need to put the phone down. Maybe you need to give up that thing. Just try it for a week. Lord, I want to be controlled by you. I want to be controlled by you. Is there something else in my life? Take, just help me. 
And don't you realize during communion, do you realize like me, like, God, I'm so blinded to even my own sin. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts. See if there's any way, because I'm, so, I'm such a fool. Does it bind? One week without video games, one week without TV, one week without looking at social media, one week without caffeine, without alcohol, without tobacco, one week without Twinkies, whatever it is that may be controlling you. You know, I, I, I want to make sure nothing is controlling me except the one who bought me. Is that not a good thing? Then strive for it. Does it bind? Lastly, does it boast in God? What you do, what you say, what you post, does it boast in God? Christian husband, wife, are you in the workforce? Do people evidently understand you are there not to make money? Do they know that you're there because you're on a mission? I work for what company? No, no, I don't work for them. I work for Jesus. When I get up in the morning, guess who I go to work for? I go to bed at night, guess who I, what I'm doing when I'm sleeping? I'm thanking him. I wake up next morning. Lord, help me today. I work for you. Doesn't matter how bad my boss is, I'm going to show him Christ. How negative my coworker is, I will show them Christ. Because I work for him. I parent for him. I grandparent for him. Does it boast in God? Let's take 30 seconds here. Let's close our eyes. I'll give you 30 seconds. I'll close in prayer. Take 30 seconds and ask, Lord, what would you have me do? What would you have me change? I'll close in prayer and then we'll have one last song.